veganism is not a diet and, and veganism is not a mental illness. It's not a disorder. There's nothing inherently disordered about it. There's nothing inherently dysfunctional about it. You know, it, you embrace it, you know, you, 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 you open, you're not closed, like with the restriction with anorexia, for example, you're open. Veganism is a, a an ethical philosophy. Eating disorders, the way forward is, is treatment. Veganism, the way forward is just keep, keep being vegan. As a vegan, do you ever feel like you're living in a parallel universe, aware of things that many others don't even seem to notice, let alone acknowledge? I'm Chrissy Benson, host of the Vegan Posse podcast. We talk with vegans from around the globe who, like you, are living lives of integrity and compassion with an eye toward justice through their personal stories. You'll come to see that you're not an outlier. In fact, you're part of an entire posse of individuals who aren't just keeping the peace, they're creating it through their food choices and beyond. You won't be saddling up, but you're in for the ride of your life. Welcome to the Vegan Posse. Hey, Posse. If you love being part of the Vegan Posse, Help spread the word by liking this podcast, subscribing, and sharing with your animal-loving friends. We've got a whole lot of peace to create, so let's get on it. Thanks, guys. Now, on to our episode. Today, the Vegan Posse welcomes Jen Friedman. Jen is a therapist, writer, musician, and vegan from New York City. She is the author of Veganism and Eating Disorder Recovery a book that aims to improve the discourse about veganism in eating disorder recovery. Jen has presented on eating disorders at treatment centers, universities, and mental health conferences. She also writes, records, and performs music, which she considers a source of healing, connection, and growth. Jen, welcome to the Vegan Posse. Are you ready for the ride of your life? I am ready. Thank you for having me. Nice. No hesitation. So you've got a very interesting background that includes music and mental health counseling, all of which I want to hear about. Um, but first, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Where are you from? And what was food like for you growing up? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, currently live in Manhattan, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. And food. where in Brooklyn? Oh, um, Brighton, just outside of Brighton Beach, Coney Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. And um, yeah, my parents uh, are still there. Uh, I go back from time to time. And yeah, so growing up, food. Um, well, I didn't really ever have the healthiest relationship with food uh, growing up. I would kind of eat for comfort a lot of the time. And um kind of tended to over time almost use food as either a reward or a punishment in certain ways and um yeah so I didn't I didn't have you know I there are certain foods I really enjoy eating um but I didn't really have um a real balance with food and um not too much structure around food either so um, so yeah, it was not the, not the, the, the ideal, um, um, you know, e eating lifestyle, you can say. Yeah. Right. Was your family health conscious at all? Did they have any sense of what was healthy? Um, I, I, mm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them health conscious in particular. I think they liked what they 
liked. Um, we had foods that we would eat regularly, foods that were, you know, easy to make. Um, we ate relatively, you know, healthy food. We didn't, we ate, you know, we had all our nutritional needs met, but not so much, um, super focused on, on health. Um, you know, and we, you know, in terms of food, what we did eat, I mean, obviously this was, this was before vegan days. So what I considered food then is not what I would consider food now, but at the time, um, we did, you know, sort of the, the typical thing of, you know, ordering pizza, you know, like we, we did that like once a week, um, we would order like Chinese food once a week and we would go out to eat, um, with my parents and I would go out to eat with my, with my grandparents, uh, once a week. And that was actually a nice, uh, tradition that we have going out to eat together to a particular restaurant. And, um, so yeah, so that was, you know, it was the, 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 the actual food wasn't really, um, necessarily that unhealthy, but it was more, um, my, how I used it, which was probably the unhealthy part. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So when did, when did things kind of go off the rails for you with food and your eating? Yeah. So I, I think that I, I would say I always had, or for, for as, as long as I can remember, I had, um, some issues with, with food. Like I would always, I, you know, for, for as far back as I can remember, I would definitely use food as a means of, um, either feeling I, like I was in control or um, feeling out of control by way of, of food. And so that's um, that was kind of my norm for uh, since I was a kid, but it never really got to um, a concerning point. It was always like I would get by. It wasn't, you know, front and center in my in my life. Um, it things started going off the rails for me with eating in terms of really, really getting an eating disorder, um, when I was in college and, um, and, and, you know, this wasn't like the only issue I had, you know, I had, I had, uh, you know, other emotional issues. I had uh, mental health issues, you know, so I had, um, not something I typically really talk about, but I did self-harm for several years and it was like, I got help for that, but then I, that as I was kind of getting better from that, I started um, restricting food more. So, you know, I was kind of still trying to figure, figure things out and not doing a great job of it. But, um, but, you know, I was, I sort of started to, yeah, engage in eating disorder behaviors in college when I was around 20, 21. And um, that's, so that's when it really started becoming, a concern, something that was really starting to interfere with my life. Like food was interfering. Well, like my my life was already kind of I was already um, feeling unstable, but now food was an unstable thing as well. So that was contributing. Right, to the right. Yeah. That makes sense. And you were you vegan at this point, or when when was it that you went vegan? I went so first I went vegetarian when I was I think say like it's probably 26 uh something like that around around 25 26 or something and then I I became vegan um let's see 
I don't remember how old it was. It was 2009. Oh yeah. So I was, okay. So the 26 piece, I'm not sure about that. I can't remember, but the 2009, I was 28 and that's when I became vegan. Nice. It was about um, really, yeah. So, oh, sorry, Glenn. No, no. I was just going to ask. So, so dealing with these, you know, disordered behaviors around food, and it was interfering with your life. Um. So, so what what would you like to say about your, you know, your struggles with food and eating? Sure, sure. So I was. Um, okay. So my struggles with food and eating, um, I definitely started struggling, um, you know, in a, in a, in a more clinical way, you could say, um, yeah, when I was in college, um, and then, you know, that a lot of my life happened before I became vegan. It was like, there was a period of time between, um, starting, down the road of an eating disorder and later becoming vegan. But I did become vegan when I was in a really good place in my eating disorder recovery. So I had been, you know, um, in recovery for a while. And I started with the veganism when I was stable in recovery. So I think that's one of the major points that I really want to get across to people is that, you know, that's why I say it's, it's not always the eating disorders and veganism are not necessarily one and the same. And I do think that it is misconstrued a lot of the time in the eating disorder field, and it is seen as one and the same. I think more, more questions need to be asked in order to really determine that on a case by case basis. So for me, it was definitely a separate thing. Um, not to say I didn't later have my eating disorder struggles again, but it remained a separate thing from, from my veganism. Interesting. That makes sense. And going, going vegan after you'd found some emotional stability and stability with your food, was that a conscious decision? Did you consciously hold off on going vegan until you found that place of equilibrium? Honestly, no, I, I don't think I was really consciously holding off. I think what it was, was I was, I, again, it's, it's blurry when I became vegetarian. I, I, at least a couple of years before I was vegan, but all that to say the, the vegetarian piece was, um, I was already vegetarian for a few years and I wasn't really thinking too much about veganism. Um, I had a couple of really good friends, uh, some of my best friends who happened to be vegan. They didn't talk too much about it. They didn't um, really ever pressure me, but they were also always available for me to ask questions when I was curious about it. And what happened over time was that I learned more about how animals were treated. And I learned that eating meat, eating eating animals, eating animal flesh cannot be separated from eating dairy. So when I learned that, and I really like looked into it and learned it and became very conscious of that fact, I realized that I couldn't in good conscience continue to, good conscience continue to eat 
anything that came from an animal. And I didn't want to contribute to that industry. And it it felt like 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 you're asking sort of, yeah, was was it on my mind or did I, you know, I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was it what what it really was was um over time this natural transition. It was very, very natural. And it was like veganism, I guess you could say, yeah, maybe it was kind of in the back of my mind for a while. And I was I was aware for a while that it was a natural extension of vegetarianism for me, like a like an inevitable extension of it. But at some point, and I'm a just a bit I'm a bit blurry on it but I can also kind of remember that time frame when I was my my something shifted and I was like oh this is really I can't can't deny that this is happening so what what am I going to do I have to really act in line with what I now know so that was that was kind of that for me um yeah I did actually did an experiment with a friend we she was vegetarian too. We did an experiment together. We tried eating only vegan for two weeks, I think, but one week, two weeks. And um again, I'm a little bit blurry on the timeline, but I remember that being a very pivotal thing where it kind of helped to kick it off for me. So Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people do experiments like that. I think it's a great way to kind of test the waters and see how it goes. I, I did an experiment like that myself going vegan for 30 days and I did not stick with it after the 30 days, but you know, later, obviously I did. So I think every, every foray that we make into the world of veganism, you know, will often bear fruit later. Um, so how did your, how did your friends and family react when you went, when you made the vegan leap? Um, not, it wasn't much, of anything really it was <laughs> there was no um there well there was no backlash you know mm -hmm. it was just kind of okay like no it was I didn't get it it was nobody gave me a hard time about it but it was also like I guess it well the obviously the friends who were already vegan were very happy <laughs> right, they were, right. Know, very very encouraging and also obviously we could really talk about it with each other now and really totally get it and like I was right there with them um but yeah, um, I really didn't, I didn't get it. I, I can't recall getting much or any negative negativity um, in response. It was just no like marked, you know, um, it wasn't like, like ideally in my mind, of course, like everybody should go vegan. You know? right. <laughs> so and it wasn't anything like that. I didn't have some major, you know, influence on the people around me in terms of them taking steps to becoming vegan like that would have been of course amazing that didn't happen but there wasn't any um you know disapproval really it was more people like didn't know about what veganism really was and that people kind of trying to people you know I had friends who 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 just wanted to make sure that I was getting all my nutritional needs met and not even because of anything eating disorder related just because they you know, didn't know. And, and at the time I probably didn't even know. Um, like I remember I had a friend tell me just so you know, like, um, Oh, what was it? Um, 
Oh, this wasn't, this was something different. This is something different, actually. No, no, no. I'm thinking of something different. I had a friend tell me, just so you know, there's, there's whey in some things. So like, that's a form mm -hmm. of milk. So I've actually, that was a bit of a different, that was a tangent, but, um, but yeah, but I definitely had people kind of going, okay, are you sure you're going to get your needs met? How are you going to get, you know, people take asking concern, how are you going to get your protein? How are you going to get this or that? But, um, but it was, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was, um, people trying to be supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's nice. Were you dating at that time? Were you with the partner who you're with currently? No, no. I, oh gosh, was I, no, 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 I was not dating. I wouldn't know. I definitely was not with the partner that I'm with now. Um, but I was not dating anybody, um, at that time. I think I had recently gotten out of a relationship and during that relationship, I had been vegetarian and I, I my ex-boyfriend was like, he himself had been vegetarian in the past. And during our time dating, he stopped being vegetarian, he was trying to encourage me to not be vegetarian anymore. So that was just one of the myriad reasons why <laughs> we were together. But, um, but yeah, but no, at the time that I went vegan, um, no, and my interpersonal life really consisted of a few really good close friends. Um, yeah, that was pretty much that. Yeah. And that makes sense that there wasn't a huge reaction. I mean, the reality is the world, the world at large doesn't really care that much what, what we do, you know? So it's not like, you know, it's not like suddenly an edict is issued and everybody gets this announcement like, oh, Chrissy's gone vegan or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, that's the thing is that it's, it's like when, when you become vegan, I'll speak for myself. Like when I, became vegan it was like a light went on so and, and part of that light is the very visceral understanding that this is not about me you know um it's not just about what I'm eating and it's not centered on me and so just the idea like you could say say with anything that's purely a diet right like it's just a diet nothing else to it you could say well okay good for that person let them do their thing. I'll do my thing, whatever. But you get the sense when you become vegan that, you know, it's almost like there's always something missing. Anytime somebody says like, that's great. Like you do your thing. I'll do mine because you're aware of why you're vegan and what the implications of just doing your thing are. So in a way that's like, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's, I guess that, that piece of it, it's so subtle, but it's something you become so aware of, very, very conscious of when you're vegan and the little things that other people say that they think are innocuous, but to you, it's like, no, those have heavy implications, like what, what you're saying and um, what you're allowing to happen, you know, um, to animals. And so, yeah, maybe that's a bit of a, a tangent there, but yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so were there any people in your, you know, in your close circles who were who were afraid that this, you know, this shift into veganism was like a resurfacing of the eating disorder issues? Did you have to face, you know, kind of some pushback in that regard? Um, you know what? Not really, not, not really. In fact, I was seeing, again, the time, I'm sorry that the, my timeline is just a little bit fuzzy, but I was definitely seeing um, a dietitian um, at the time from when I was struggling with an eating disorder. I just kept seeing her. 
And so I kept her very much in the loop as I, you know, started eating vegan. And that was always very like, you know, that was okay. You know, it wasn't, it was never really, um, I was never dissuaded. Not that, I mean, I, now that I think back, if it's like, would, would ethically, would that have been allowed to try to dissuade me? I don't even know, but regardless, she was doing her job and she did an amazing job and I had a really good relationship with her. And um, I still do, and we talk from time to time, but she was supportive. Like, so she helped me in this, you know, trajectory and, and, and into veganism and, um, you know, was very much aware, was not, you know, my eating disorder, um, but, um, you know, and also had a therapist who was also very much aware, you know, it was like a separate journey like my, mm-hmm. my recovery journey and had my v I don't hate I don't hate I, that's a strong word um I don't want to be like oh my vegan journey but like you know like I had my vegan journey you know and then I had my eating disorder recovery journey and the two kind of coexisted um mm-hmm. but no, I think the people closest to me understood that mm-hmm. one was they were not one of the same yeah yeah and it sounds like you just had a lot of confidence in your decision to go vegan and so I'm guessing that some of that, you know, transmitted to other people in your life and kind of helped reassure them, no, this is not, you know, a capricious decision, you know, made for some sketchy reason, you know, this is a real ethical choice. Yes. So just on a, this, on a tangible practical level, how was that transition into veganism? Was it, was it tough at all? I have vague memories of being very tired for a week I don't know why I still don't know but I remember feeling like I had no energy for like one week and then it went away and I didn't even realize at the time I wasn't even thinking like oh is this because I have stopped eating dairy meat whatever um I did it didn't even occur to me I was like oh I'm so tired and a week later it just it went away and then I was like, oh, okay. That probably had something to do with some, my body doing something, but now it's, you know, all as well. Yeah. So no, there were no, um, no issues. The, the only, you know, I think that um, I, I do remember when it was very, very new and just being hyper aware of all of the things that I no longer would would eat, but in terms of like having a substitute for those things, you know, so it was always like that, you know, it wasn't like, okay, I'm just not eating that. And then I'm not going to eat anything like it, but it was certain things. I noticed that I would see things around and go, oh my God, like, it was more like, I would see things. I would walk down the street and just see how meat and dairy centric our world is. And so that, that was like an emotional adjustment. And kind of with that, I would see certain things that reminded me of my childhood, like ice cream trucks, like, you know, just like, like, you know, being a kid and going to the ice cream truck in the summer and, um, Tony Island. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, so that was, if anything, maybe there was a bit of missing, um, missing certain things in a kind of a nostalgic way. But, and just being aware of it, not really feeling any desire or need to go to it, but just being aware like, oh yeah, that's something that I used to enjoy, that I used to consider up for grabs, you know, to eat. And 
I, I don't anymore. You know, now I, you know, I'll get the vegan ice cream, you know, but it's, it's, there is something about, you know, tradition and things that, you know, nostalgia and that, you know, which is why it's so, um, I think some people have a really hard time even considering veganism because food is such a, a part of the, you know, their upbringing, you know, certain types of food and, and, and that's so tied in with um, who they are, you know, who they feel they are as a person. So it's very hard to separate that. Um, and so maybe I was feeling a little bit of that, but, um, but it was, you know, it was just part of the the transition really. And it was, yeah. It was, yeah. 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 Cause there just are so many, so many traditions and it almost feels in some way like a betrayal of, you know, your family and the people you care about to, you know, just by extension be, rejecting these, you know, these traditions that everybody used to enjoy and used to be a source of such bonding and camaraderie. Yeah. 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 And it is kind of like a little bit of a mourning period in a way, because, you know, things that I used to eat that, you know, because at the time I saw no issue with it, um, I would really look forward to, and I, and I really enjoy, and they would bring me like, just joy and comfort and familiarity. And um, I guess it was kind of, um, I don't know, kind of, it wasn't a yearning for those things. It was just like a sense of like, oh, okay, I don't do that anymore. And it's weird, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird that that is not a part of my life anymore. And, you know, but, what's the you know the the price of that so right right it's yeah it's it's really a head trip because you know going vegan and like you said that light bulb going off it just casts everything even our past experiences in this new light and we just see what we hadn't seen about those experiences before and yeah it's it's confusing and saddening and it kind of, for me, it kind of taint, you know, it taints, taints a lot of things. Like you can't, you can't unsee the cruelty. So it's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to process, you know, in our, in our complicated brains. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So after you went vegan, so was it, um, post vegan? When, when did you decide to go into counseling and start pursuing a degree in, mental health counseling. Sure, sure. So I, so I'll say this as a part of my eating disorder recovery, um, during that part of my life, I, um, like I was in a good place, but still kind of new to recovery. Um, one thing that I did for myself and also hopefully for others, but also in a selfish way for me, um, was that I went to, um, uh, I did a certificate program at the new school in New York city, um, for creative arts therapy. And so I, it, that was a certificate, but it wasn't a master's degree. It wasn't a graduate program. And it, but it was like a two-year part-time thing. I did that. And it, I learned about, um, kind of how to facilitate creative arts groups. Um, I, I'm also a musician, so that was very healing for me just to to be a part of, you know, because a lot of these 
activities, you have to do them yourself if you're going to ever do them with other people. So it's very experiential, very embodied. So that was kind of, I had already been kind of considering going to graduate school for counseling. And that, that was a way of kind of maybe testing the waters and seeing, you know, I wasn't really ready to make the commitment to graduate school or even like go down that route of applying, but I, I did that program and um, it was very healing and, and very um, yeah, just, I did, I did feel kind of like it got me from one, one point to another in my progress and my recovery it got me. It really, what happened was like, I had gotten so disconnected from myself in my eating disorder that it really, really fostered and facilitated a reconnection with me. So that's why I say like, it ended up being a bit, you know, selfish, but also I did learn a lot of skills and a lot of therapy tools through it. Um, so that was something, um, it wasn't until a few years later that I actually went to graduate school. And that was kind of like, I, again, it was like, it was in the back of my mind. I knew I wanted to do it at some point, but what happened was I actually went to visit some friends in England, um, in 2016. And because I already wanted to go to graduate school and I ended up loving England so much more than I ever thought I would, <laughs> um, I realized I wanted to live in England and I thought, okay, maybe this is a good, a good time, a good time to do grad school and I'll do it. I'll try to do it in, in England. So that's what I ended up doing. And so um, it really almost like with veganism, it felt like this very natural trajectory. Like I can't imagine myself having gone to school anywhere else mm. for counseling. It, it's like, it's almost like this, it, it had to be what it was. It just feels so right in every cell. As I talk about it now is just the way to go. So yeah, so I'm, I'm very grateful that I got to do that. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a bit later though. That was what, that was from 2017 to 2019 is when I lived in oh, London. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So where did, did you study in London? What, what yeah. school did you go to in? Um... Yeah, I went to Goldsmiths. It's a part of the University of London. Um, yeah, it's in uh, Southeast London. I don't know if you know, uh, maybe some listeners. A little London. bit, a little bit. I lived in okay. London for six months, so I know. No, I know a little really? bit. Yeah. Oh, can I ask where, um, where in, in I was in Golders Green. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It was right after college. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's kind of, is that, that is that near some, it's near, there's a university around there, right? I think perhaps there, there might be, there's a beautiful park called Golders Green Park. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's a, it's a Jewish part of town. So yeah, that's what I definitely remember. like very rich culturally and everything's at least, you know, 20 years ago, everything was closed on Saturdays and, yeah, you know, yeah. it was, it was, yeah, it was a really cool part of town. Um, beautiful, yeah. you know, visually beautiful, like beautiful houses and parks. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't spend, I didn't, I really didn't spend much time at all there, but I, I did kind of go to the area a couple of times and so I know what you're talking about and um it is beautiful it's still beautiful yeah 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 at least as of 2017 um and um and yeah still very culturally Jewish um yeah yeah for sure um but yeah well I, I don't know if you know but I'm I'm currently in grad school for clinical mental health counseling <laughs> I'm not sure if I oh, mentioned okay. that too, well, yeah I didn't yes. know that okay I did yes, not do, so. I didn't do my homework bad, so bad. I'm, I'm taking notes on <laughs> on your path um, how would you say your program in England differed from, you know, an American program? Is there anything specific you can pinpoint? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I was okay. And I could say this because I ended up 
doing, I ended up taking classes um, in um, New York State through, um, a re- it was a remote program through the University of Buffalo. Um, mm-hmm. Long story short is because I had to, I had to take extra classes here in order to fill, fulfill licensure requirements. Here. I was we, wondering about that. Yeah. 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 And there are some schools there, there aren't a ton, but there are some uh, sprinkled uh, throughout the state that offer these like bridge programs, they call them, I guess that's an informal term, but they're um, the one that I went to um, remotely was, um, it was called an advanced graduate certificate program. And yeah, they just, it's basically like whatever classes you need, um, you take and and it's kind of like part of their overall graduate program, but you don't need to do the whole thing. You just take what you need. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I ended up doing. But so I have like the two in a way, like side by side to compare. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I don't have the full picture of what it's like to be a graduate student here that that's, you know, it's a stretch, but, um, but it is very different from what I know and have experienced. Um, and even just like when you go to school there, um, you have to, when you go to graduate school for counseling, you have to pick a modality and stick with it the whole time. So you have to commit to, yeah, you don't just go for mental health counseling, you go for psychodynamic or person-centered or CBT or whatever it is. And they have different levels there too. It's like, they have things, they have, um, they call them certificates. It's not the same type of certificate that I did. It's a different type of thing, but a lot of people do these certificate programs in counseling to see if they want to go to grad school. Um, but yeah, even that it's, it, uh, some of them are integrative. So it's meant to be a few different modalities, but, but a lot of them are just like straightforward. Like this is what you study. This is the kind of, um, like in my program, you had to get therapy um, as a part of the program. And that had to be psycho because I did a psychodynamic program. So that had to be psychodynamic. Um, your supervisor for your clinical internship had to be psychodynamic, just psychodynamic through and through. And um, you always had to kind of have that lens in mind as you were practicing. But, um, and, you know, and I think just the, the my, I just really, really enjoyed my professors. Um, you know, there, there were a few um, that had re- repeatedly and um, they were just wonderful. Um, and we went into so much depth. Um, we really covered like a lot of the foundational stuff, but then just went, you know, up to modern times, but, but really, um, really, I mean, I just really, really noticed that anytime we talked about our, um, any, 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 any kind of theory or any kind of, um, approach, um, it, oh, it, it, for the most part, it really seemed to go back to the, the client. It was very, like, there was a lot of depth to it. It, it was just very much about, it was very caring. I felt that anyway, I felt like it was a very caring program, like very focused on clients needs. Um, not as heavily focused on, um, diagnoses, um, at least in Goldsmiths. Um, I think there are other, I know, so I'm not speaking for the whole UK with that, but there are other programs in the UK that do focus on diagnoses, but they, where I went, like they didn't really use the DSM much. They just kind of breezed through a little bit. Um, you know, they're not as heavily reliant as insur- on insurance because they're not, um, it's not a, a regulated field like it is here. So you learn all the things you need to learn more or less, you know, minus a couple of things I had to take here, but, but it was, it, it really was like a very, like, and their, their program, um, the, the body, the governing body, um, that I, uh, that my school kind of adhered to the guidelines of was the BACP, um, the British Association of, I can't remember, <laughs> but um but yeah so you know there are definitely like criteria to meet so even though it's not regulated there are definitely you have to adhere to these guidelines the ethics and all of that but um yeah it's a lot of depth and here 
it's, you know, for my experience was more focused on diagnoses and, um, you know, it was hard for me to find that same level of, of depth. Um, but, you know, again, I, I only went to a few classes, so it's hard to, hard to say how it is overall. Right. What lot, made you choose, what made you choose the psychodynamic discipline? Um, I, I just, I, I like the idea of, um, you know, I, I think it's very holistic. I think it's, it really, it focuses on the importance of, um, a, you know, a person's past and why that's important. And it kind of looks under the surface and looks at the unconscious. And I, I really, I think that's really important. Um, I think that that kind of stuff, looking at patterns throughout life, looking at kind of, you know, um, the the significance of certain key players in life, you know, maybe early on, I think it's really important to to look at how people were shaped um, kind of early on and how maybe they're playing out some of those things in life now, which possibly what might have, you know, would might have been a part of what led them to therapy, you know, is somewhat of the replaying of, of patterns and um, from, from childhood. So I think that childhood um, stuff is really important, not for every single person, but when it's when it's important, it's very important. And, um, and also it just, it just, you know, because it's not like, oh, I just want to focus on, you know, the past and that's it. I think it, it leads, it lends itself to doing some really, really great work in the moment and, 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 and in the here and now and focusing on the present and focusing on goals. And so, but I, I do feel like it lays a foundation of, of, um, real substance, you know, a really, really solid foundation of substantial foundation. And then you can do so much with that and do so much from, from there, you know, you like, you don't have to, nobody has to stay stuck in that. You can explore it. You can be free in your exploration of it. And you can, like, I, I don't just do psychodynamic, you know, kind of, you know, there, there are a lot of techniques and modalities that you can kind of use, but, but psychodynamic can be at the heart of it. And that never has to be compromised. So I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. So you don't, you don't find it overly deterministic, like, like viewing people as just, you know, products of their past and, you know, oh, destined no, no. to, re, no. you know, re oh replicate gosh. these same patterns. No, 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 no. I think it's, 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 it's very liberating and empowering. And, um, I, you know, just in my experience working with people, um, you know, it's almost like, like, with me when I felt so disconnected from myself, when I had an eating disorder, um, that's almost like a representation of how kind of disconnected you can get from yourself and how you can just kind of be unconscious in a lot of ways in, in life and kind of, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, it, it brings a level of awareness um, to kind of why, why things are the way they are and why maybe you operate the way you do. And, you know, it brings a level of, of non-judgmental awareness to that. So I think if you have that awareness and you can make the unconscious stuff conscious, it can be very liberating, very empowering, actually lend itself to real increased autonomy. And you have a choice now, which is absolutely opposite of deterministic. You know, you have a choice. You can do something with this now. What do you want to do? You know, now that you understand a little bit more, how can we work with this? Like what steps can we take now? You, you, you know, you're in the driver's seat, like, let's you know, go, go forth. You know? Right. So, right. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So, so tell me this, presumably, you know, so prior to the time that you were in grad school and, you know, you had gone 
you had gone through, you know, treatment for your, for your own mental health issues and your eating disorder. So presumably you'd already done a great deal of personal work did undergoing the, the intensive, you know, psychodynamic process while you were in grad school, did that, you know, kind of uncover new layers or was it kind of more of the same? Um, it definitely made me have to face more of my insecurities and um, maybe things that in the past I would have resorted to coping with through food. Um, through eating disorder behaviors, I, I I felt like I didn't have that option because I was training to become a counselor. And I like, it was almost like a chance for me to actually, I'm not saying that you, I hope that isn't misconstrued as you, you just choose to engage in behaviors and you, it's just. No, no, I think, I think. Yeah. Kind of like it allowed me to kind of, um, you know, kind of, I guess, figure out like I guess but, mm, stay present I stayed present yeah I stayed present with myself and with people around me um I was very frazzled uh and ungrounded some of the time um just because you know a new place new everything but um but I also really really loved where I was and I um loved what I was doing and I, and I felt like, yeah, through this psychodynamic process, I, it, it I, I feel like I, I don't know, I became more conscious of myself than I had been before. Mm -hmm. It really, really was um, a meaningful experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So when was it that you started working with people with eating disorders or was that just a natural natural clientele for you so i yeah i well i was a part of the eating disorder recovery field um in in other ways before anyway so i i, I was doing music and writing and i would go um so this was before I went to grad school, but I would go around and like talk at treatment centers and different kinds of places like that. And so I was sort of a part of this network. I, it happened again, like with some of the other things we were talking about, it happened very naturally. I don't even remember in some ways, like how I didn't, I don't remember like consciously choosing that. I just remember it just happened um, because I was already kind of plugged in to people in recovery as I was going through it. And I don't know, I just, you know, I met, met a bunch of people and um, got to kind of express myself using this outlet, using it as a connective tool for, for other people. Um, my, my whole thing was um, eating disorders really thrive on isolation. And I felt like music and, and sharing my writing and, you know, just interacting, connecting with people could really, um, you know, these things are, can be so key to, to recovery and, um, just a, a sense of, of, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not alone. And as cheesy as it might sound like there's, there's hope, you know, there's, there's hope. And, and also there's, there's life, there's life to be had there, you know, there's living, you know, to be had. And so can, can get you in touch with that part of you that wants to really live, you know? And so I felt like music was very, key to that and for my both for myself and sharing it with others so it's already kind of 
doing that in the in sort of field. Um, I definitely stepped away from that as I prepared to go to grad school and really just focus on like clinical work. But, um, but yeah, when, when I, when I left London and graduated from my program there, moved back here to New York and took my classes through Buffalo, I had to do, um, an in internship, um, as a part of my program, I had to do an internship in London, but had to do more hours here just because of the requirements. So, um, my internship here um, ended up being with a psychodynamic program, which was wonderful. I mean, they're very hard to find in the city. <laughs> yeah, so, perfect. Yeah, it was great, great, great to, to, to stumble upon us. I'm so, so lucky and um, ended up, and that's where I now, where I now work as, as an employee. So, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's, we see um, a general population. So I don't only see people with eating disorders, but I do, you know, some clients happen to, Come in who have issues with food, whether that's a current, you know, active eating disorder or a history of eating disorders. Um, um, that you know, I, I do see some some clients with those with those issues, and I, I enjoy working with with people, um, yeah, who've struggled with that. I, I do enjoy that. I, I don't know if I want to fully specialize in it because I really enjoy other other things as well, and I want to be open to all kinds of issues. You know, working with people who have all kinds of struggles, but, but that's for sure something, yeah, close, close to my heart and something I feel like maybe I can, maybe I can be of help. Right. Right. I'm sure. No, you definitely have a unique, you know, capacity for helping people in that position just because you yourself, you know, came out of it <laughs> uh, successfully. You emerged victorious. So, so you have a new book that came out called veganism and eating disorder recovery. Um, tell me about that book. How what inspired it? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. So exciting to talk about that. Um, thank you for for mentioning it. Yeah. Um, so I let's see. I started writing this book in I think it was like July of, of 2020, just during the pandemic. And I it and I it was just a very specific catalyst for this book, um, which was that I saw a a I got a notification of a tweet that said something about an eating disorder treatment center. Um, or no, I, it said something about like, can vegans have eating disorders? Or could, or is veganism an eating disorder or something like that? And I remember seeing this notification and getting prematurely frustrated because I had a feeling that they're gonna say yes, because every time I see anything like that, it's always, yes, veganism is an eating disorder. It's from people in the eating disorder field, like that it's just so, people are very quick to, to go there and to make that, that assumption. So I was kind of prematurely frustrated by what I thought I was going to see, but um, I decided, oh, let me torture myself and open this um, <laughs> notification. But actually, to my great surprise, it's actually quite the opposite. And it was about um, a treatment center, which is um, Alsana Treatment Center, which they were talking, it was an article that um, involved staff uh, from Alsana, and it was talking about how they are now offering vegan um vegan meals in their center they're open to vegans now and i think they basically were saying like we're the first we're the first ones to do this and so i was like just i guess i i was i was very inspired and i also it just made me want to write like it it, it made me want to go oh my god yes like thank you and and um and i finally like i i had i felt like not crazy anymore. Like I felt like, yeah. oh, 
there's somebody else who's saying this, like, thank goodness. And I, and I felt like I just, it just fueled me to want to share more about where I was coming from with this and what I thought. And, you know, cause I felt like, you know, there I had a kind of a leg to stand on here, you know? And, and, um, and so I, I started writing about, um, again, this, well, this idea that, that there are, there are core differences between eating disorders and veganism and that it's, you know, there are a lot of assumptions and, and judgments that people tend to make. And sometimes those are, um, you know, those are, those have merit, you know, but also sometimes they, they don't. And, and it's, you know, my whole thing is, is, um, you know, about taking this on a real individualized basis. So to, looking at it from you know, one person to another, what's their, their motivation, um, for veganism, what's their, um, you know, what, 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 what's at the heart of, of their veganism and what's at the heart of their eating disorder and really, really, you know, um, connecting with people and talking to people and finding out, you know, why, and how can we help them? How, so my, the book is meant to help people who have eating disorders, who are also vegan, get the best recovery that they can, you know, whatever that means for them, whatever that means for them, you know, but, but I really felt like, oh my goodness, I, I need to, <laughs> there's so much I want to say. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it really, it gets, I, I started researching a bunch. I started looking at studies that have been done with people who have eating disorders who are vegan. I started noticing a lot of flaws in a lot of these studies. So I talked about that in the book. I really did a whole breakdown of all this research that, you know, where, you know, people are like putting things in categories where they don't belong and then making conclusions based on that, you know, like mm -hmm. for example, equating, um, vegans to, you know, in some cases like, um, either vegetarians or, or semi-vegetarians, something like that. I'm not saying it verbatim, but there, there are a lot of inconsistencies in a lot of these studies and a lot of things that mm. are left out, they're not considered. And then what happens is when people in, you know, who have like blogs or who are prominent in the field or whatever it may be, start, um, wanting to talk about this and they want to cite, you know, their, their research, they'll end up citing the, these studies and they use that to fuel the message of it repeating veganism mm. as an eating disorder. And it's very easy to, it's like a game of telephone. It's very easy to go from A to B where, you know, you've got, you know, so, so that, anyway, that's one part of the book. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of different parts of the book, but sorry, <laughs> there are a lot of different, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's ultimately to say, you know, can we focus on the person first and then determine what's best for them? Yeah. And what, what came to mind for me when you mentioned this treatment center that was now recognizing ethical vegans as, you know, having made a, a valid choice that is sustainable. I don't know. I just found myself so moved because to me, it was, it just struck me as an acknowledgement of people with eating disorders as, as people, you know, like just because you have an eating disorder doesn't mean that you can't arrive at rational, you know, sound decisions in lots of other areas of your life. And so to me, it's just like, yes, you're, you're a person and you're allowed to have a strong sense of, you know, morality and ethical conviction um, so to me, it just makes so, so much sense. And, you know, just in my own personal experience, you know, I, there was a guest on the podcast, a wonderful person named Michelle Sen, 
who, you know, had a long, a long, uh, recovery path with anorexia and went to all of these traditional eating disorder treatment centers. And, you know, they basically ordered her to just throw any concern about health out the window. They literally told her, you don't have to worry about cholesterol because your eating disorder will kill you before a heart attack does. So Mm -hmm. just forget about that. And then just years ago, I remember I was in a 12 stick because I had my own uh, struggles with, with food and compulsive overeating. And I remember talking to somebody in that 12 step program who told me how she had gone to eating disorder treatment. And the very first thing they do did was made her eat a ham sandwich. And she was a kosher vegetarian at the time. And, and she kind of conveyed this, this proudly, like that was, that was a step for me in the direction of recovery. And I just remember thinking, doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. So, so what would you like to say? Just, would you like to say a little more about people's misconceptions about veganism and eating disorders? Where, how are they maybe similar and how are they just, you know, markedly different? Yeah. And yes, I want to, I want to, um, respond to that. Yes. And I all, I just, first, I just want to kind of, um, piggyback off of what you had said about the fact that they are people first, they're people like these people are people and they have, you know, they can have ethics and they can have, um, you know, moral morality that they, that they want to live by. And, um, you're treating them as a person and right. So because they're people and they might very well have these ethics that they live by, then there's something to be recognized in the, the potential damage of taking that option away from them. Right. That's a great point. Right. Yeah. That's it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I mean, because yes, there are some people who will use veganism as a guise for their eating disorder that, that happens, you know, not, I'm not, I'm not denying that that happens. And in fact, you know, I, I mentioned that and I'm very open and transparent about that, um, in the book, like that happens, but the, the point is, we want to help people, and so the the people excuse me the people who are um, you know truly ethical ethically vegan through and through um, we don't want to undermine their their personhood. We don't want to undermine what what got them to that place of of choosing this. Because once you choose it, you you can't you know just unsee it. You can't just all of a sudden you know, cancel out the journey that you just had to get there. And, and that, you know, the, the pain in a lot of ways that, that encompassed and that, um, really getting from A to B where you, you just can't go back to A, you know, I mean, you, you, you'll never see food the same way. again, and, and so you'll never see animals the same way. Again. And, and, and so, you know, just, I think it's so important for treatment providers to consider, what they're asking people to to take away when you know they're they're sort of made to um, you know eat things that they wouldn't consider food anymore, things that are the product of extreme violence and cruelty. You know, there there can be damage there. So it's like, yes, we need to recovery for everybody, including those who, you know, um, who truly are, yeah, they're, maybe they're making it up. They don't even realize it. You know, we have to make room for that too, but that doesn't have to come at the cost of causing 
further damage to people who are physically vegan. You can have both. There's room for both possibilities in this picture and an eating disorder treatment. So I just right. I can see it. I can see it getting tricky because on the one hand, like you said, I can see how there could be grave damage by, you know, removing people's healthy act of autonomy and making this decision to go vegan. And yet at the same time, if like you, like you say, some people do use veganism as a guise for, <laughs> for an eating disorder, then, then, you know, so, so how do you parse that out? Do you, cause I could see it quickly devolving into grilling somebody of how, how legitimate a vegan are you and how, right. how earnest right, right, are you? Right. So how, how do, there, how does that get sorted? Yeah. And there, there are, um, there are great actual um, assessments out there that are just meant to kind of gauge where people are at with that. And um, quite a few of those were created by um, vegan dietitians who work with the eating disorder individuals. So they, you know, they get it, they know what they're talking about and, and they know the questions to, to ask. And, um, and so none of it has to be um, like an, an interrogation, really. It's just to get, get a sense of like, where, where are you at? And, you know, where are you at? now um versus you know where where you at you know maybe in a few weeks let's revisit this assessment and see where things are then so it's not even like a you know you can't necessarily just rely on one single snapshot at one point in time you have to kind of repeat these things and revisit it over time but i don't think it ever has to get um pressury or or you know interrogative and 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 i think actually these assessments can can help um in a lot of ways you know they can help um determine, uh, you know, they, they will help people who are not truly vegan just as much as they'll help people who are, because if you're not really vegan and you really, that's not, you're, you're just doing that, you're calling it veganism. Well, that, that's not really, you know, you might as well be doing anything and calling it anything. If it's fueling your eating disorder, then then it's your eating disorder. Like it's veganism is almost arbitrary at that point. You know, so better to help somebody see that than not, you know, and so, yeah, I think the assessments are good for whoever um, and and hopefully can clarify things. Yeah, that's interesting. So what if what if the responses to the book been like? Um, you know, it's hard. Oh, oh, wait, can I can I get back to your question about the, the differences? Sorry. Of I, course. Yeah. OK, thank you. OK, yeah. Um, so the way I see it and the way. It is because <laughs> I don't think this is putting a spin on it. The way it is, the way it is, is um, but it really is an eating disorder is a, a mental diagnosis. It's a mental illness, and in fact, um, anorexia in particular, I think they're saying now is the second has the second highest mortality rate of any mental illness. I mean, it is. I've read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be the first. I think it's. I don't actually don't want to say because it's don't, up I'm there not, for sure. sure but yeah. It, yeah, it's the second. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when you're treating somebody with an eating disorder, you were treating their, their, their something that is wrong, something that is going wrong. You know, there's, there's a problem here. You know, somebody is using food to, to um, manage or to cope and, and somebody has gotten very, very, um, you know, um, out of, out of control, whether, whether that's restricting, whether that's binging, it's all, 
you know, it's not the person making the decisions anymore. It's not them having the autonomy and, um, you know, consciously choosing. It's very unconscious. It's, it's all very, un, you know, it's it's a lack of awareness. It's a lack of mindfulness. It's just automatic, um, you know, um, in a way it's like survival, like this, you know, why people, a lot of people do these behaviors. It's almost a way of, of surviving, of trying to survive. And so it's, it's, it's a very, you know, uh, it's something that it, it cannot be sustained long-term. And the, 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 the answer to it is recovery from it. You know, it's, that's, that's, if that doesn't happen, the, there will naturally be, um, consequences. There, there, you know, person's going to feel that, and um, it's really, really going to have a negative effect. You know, a net, a, just a net negative effect on their lives, mm. short term for the long term, in every aspect of life. And that, nothing is is off the table with that. You know, whether it be relationships or, you know, what career, but you know, whatever, just day to day life. Um, how you feel physically, emotionally. Um, it's always going to be there, and it's always going to be a, um, an impediment to truly living and truly mm. embodying yourself in your life. And so that that's, that's, that's my take on eating disorder. So that's kind of, I'm veering off from the, you know, actual literal definition of eating disorder, but that, you know, that's how I see it. It's, it's very, um, it's also a very kind of um, closed stance. It's very, you know, like, for example, with restriction, you know, it's, it's sort of, everything is about deduction. It's like, you're taking away, you're, you know, keeping your world you know, as, as small as possible, as contained as possible. And so that's sort of an example with, with restriction, but kind of, you know, in comparison to veganism, which a lot of people will call restrictive, veganism is just essentially not, well, for one, it's not a diet. It's not just a way of eating. It's not, it's not, um, not that eating, eating disorders are, but it's, it's just to say though, that, you know, uh, veganism is not a diet and, and veganism is not a mental illness. It's not a disorder. There's nothing inherently disordered about it. Um, there's nothing inherently dysfunctional about it. And if a person is vegan and takes care of themselves and is healthy and, you know, um, and is, is purely just vegan and they have that ethical stance and they're living by it, they're, that's fine. They, you know, that that's going to, um, you know, that, that's, there's nothing inhibiting about that. It's just, um, you know, it, you embrace it, you know, you, 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 you open, you're not closed, like with the restriction with anorexia, for example, you're open, you're open, you know, you're, and even with food, discovering new foods, you get excited about, you know, ice cream substitutes, whatever it might be, you get excited about, you know, how, what you can eat because it, you don't have an eating disorder. And, and that's with pure, like purely being somewhere eating disorder is not even a part of the picture. You know, you can, live your life. Like you're not going to, um, you know, it's, 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 it, 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 you may be an awareness of suffering that animals are going through, but you personally, it's not creating suffering. It's in fact, maybe alleviating that in a way, because you know, you're not contributing to that and you're not ingesting, um, that and you're not feeling that anymore. Um, so, you know, these, these are two entirely different things. Veganism is a, a, an ethical philosophy. You, you know, um, just as you, you know, wouldn't eat a food that had a, you know, dairy in it, you wouldn't buy a shampoo that was tested on animals. It's like through and through. And so that's really the ethical piece of it has to be the focus. Um, eating disorders, you know, the, the way forward is, is treatment. 
you know, veganism, the way forward is just keep, keep being vegan. There's nothing to do. You know, <laughs> there's nothing to, you don't have to solve. It's not a problem to be solved, you know, and right, so, yeah, right. you can get conflated, you know, um, and so it's not it, in practice, it, it won't always be so easy to, to be that clear cut about it, but at their core, just foundationally, those are the distinct different things, different concepts. And, and, and we at least have to know that going into a conversation mm. about eating service veganism. So we know what is conflated and what isn't. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes, that makes so much sense. I love that. Just very, very simple foundational way of, of distinguishing the two, you know, an eating disorder, it's not just a psychological la- label from the, you know, DSM it's, it, it will make your life worse. <laughs> Whereas veganism, in my experience, makes life better. And in fact, yeah. I would, I would argue, I would go so far as to say, not only is it not a disorder, but it's a psychological disorder to consume those products of our, you know, sociopathic animal-based food system. But that's, that's a whole other, can, whole other can of worms. I hear you um, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's, yeah. So tell me, do you feel like you addressed everything you wanted to cover in the book? You know, is, is there anything you didn't get to or anything that you felt you had to leave out just in, in the interest of economy? Um, actually, I guess I want to talk about the vegan informed approach. Yeah. Because that's going to, that is the, the, so the, the book also pause here. The book culminates in a discussion of, and a proposal of a vegan informed approach, which is taken from a trauma informed approach. And it breaks it, 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 um, it lists uh, about 12 principles of, um, of, of borrowed from the trauma informed approach that talk about different um, different ways of of operating, different things to consider, different things to to have in mind when when um, approaching this topic, when approaching veganism in eating disorder recovery. And so I, I think it's really important that we have a vegan informed approach, um, that we have a model, we have a a, a a reference point, we have something to refer to um, when talking about it. And and so so yeah, so so I'll just say they you know I should have sorry I'm gonna. I'm just going to quickly go through the, I'll, I'll go through, through the principles, um, just the titles of them and perfect. I leave it there. Yeah. So, so anyway. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So I'll just, I'll, I'll read it just a bit from this, this part. Um, this the, this Great. Is, yeah. Uh, awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, the proposal for a vegan informed model speak to this speaks to this book's main aim of prioritizing beneficence and non-maleficence which is which are two ethical principles in counseling so beneficence is doing you know helping you know and non-maleficence mm-hmm. not harming you know so these are two very important things to consider when approaching this topic um what i suggest is a rubric that would need to be researched in hopes of being regarded as evidence-based but um i think it has a lot of potential to become evidence-based. Um, and so here is a perspective, vegan informed approach. Uh, so I'm gonna say the equivalent of the trauma informed approach and and um, we could just substitute the word trauma for veganism. Um, okay. So one, promote trauma awareness and understanding. So promote awareness and understanding about veganism. And this could be done, oh, never mind, I'll, I'll get to this. Um, two, create a safe environment. 
uh, whether that you know be yeah, I mean, basically in a treatment center, but other settings as well, um, where they concern eating disorders. Um, or any mental health issue it doesn't have to just be eating disorders. Um, three, view trauma or veganism in the context of individuals' environments. Uh, four, minimize the risk of re-traumatization or, re or replicating prior trauma dynamics. So, and that one is very specific to vegan-related trauma. Now, um, really minimize the risk, because people go through um, trauma, even in the process of becoming vegan, it's, it's very, it's a very traumatic process. And I don't want to throw around the word trauma lightly and, and not taking it lightly at all. It's, it's, it's very, um, you know, um, it, it just to have a level of awareness of the cruelty that goes on. And, and um, it's a lot to come to terms with, and it's a lot to unpack and kind of dismantle. And, and so, that's heavy. It's very, very heavy. And, and so it would be unsafe to, to potentially replicate that, you know, in a treatment center to bring that back by way of, you know, having people eat those foods again, or even, even, you know, it's important to even have an awareness of how that person might feel in the presence of other people who are eating those foods. And so right. you know, quote, but yeah, so kind of just being aware of that, minimizing the risk for being further traumatized. Um, and um, number five, identify recovery from trauma as a primary goal. So in this way, it's identify recovery from the eating disorder as a, a primary goal. Um, and I said, in vegan eating disorder patients, a vegan a vegan informed approach would identify recovery from an eating disorder as a primary goal. Those under the impression that letting go of veganism is in itself an indicator of recovery. Uh, the flip side of thinking that adopting veganism is a possible indicator of an eating disorder are missing the point. This is because veganism itself is not the point, whether in reference to getting sicker or getting better. So the eating disorder is the primary goal. Like if you're an eating disorder recovery, that you're talking about eating disorder recovery is the primary goal, not you're not recovering from veganism. You know, if veganism is in the mix, then well, okay, what does that mean? If it's related to the eating disorder, what does that mean? But ultimately it's there, you're there to recover from an eating disorder. Um, and other things, I feel like I, I don't want to sound like I'm simplifying it, but you know, it's, it's, it's veganism is not something to recover from. That's yeah, that's kind of the end. Mm -hmm. um, and um, let's see, six, support, control, choice, and autonomy. Um, and this kind of goes back to something I discussed earlier in the book about encouraging vegans to refer back to the definition of veganism, where, you know, you, veganism is doing, doing as much as is practice, practically possible. So, you know, there's a lot of autonomy in that for a potential patient who has an eating disorder and who is vegan, maybe perhaps for any number of reasons, they can't be fully vegan in a treatment center. And that could be for just so many different reasons, but how can we still foster autonomy in that person? How can we still help them, um, you know, feel like they, they're they making choices that, that are in line with their ethics and with who they are as a person. So explore ways to do that as, as much as practically possible for them. Um, and number seven, creates collaborative relationships and participation opportunities. Um, this can go back to, um, like, for example, in eating disorder centers, a lot of the times there are like these cooking groups or there are these restaurant outings and you can find ways to um, involve, you know, vegan patients in that or, or make it a little bit easier to um, find vegan options when you go to specific restaurants and just kind of keeping that, you know, in mind. Um, and, um, and yeah, and just kind of working with people on that level and kind of, yeah, you know, 
figuring out how how to do treatment um, with veganism in mind, essentially, um, in terms of of of, of um, participation and collaboration. Um, number eight is familiarize the client with trauma informed services. So, you know, vegan informed so, so support groups for vegans. Um, you know, all 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 different sorts of things. Um, but yeah, just something that will align with that person's values and, and validate their values and help them feel less alone. And um, let's see, um, listed some resources. Um, one is in defense of animals. Um, um, another Valerie Martin um, does a monthly vegan support group. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, there's some other things. Nine, incorporate universal routine screenings for trauma. So this kind of goes back to um, assessments for, you know, veganism and eating disorder recovery and, and kind of doing that on a regular basis to kind of gauge where a person is at, um, in terms of their veganism and how it plays or doesn't play a part in their eating disorder. Um, 10, view trauma through a sociocultural lens. Sorry, there's a siren, just wait for the siren to pass. Um, okay, so yeah view trauma through a sociocultural lens. So, you know, view the veganism through a sociocultural lens. And so this is, this is something I discussed in the book as well uh, earlier. So different vegans relate uh, to a vegan identity differently and different vegans have different sociocultural backgrounds, including different gender, racial, and or religious identities that may shape their identity as vegans, their relationship to veganism and the process they underwent in becoming veganism. So just kind of, you know, staying aware of those sociocultural factors and, you know, and that, that really comes down to noticing kind of both group differences and individual differences, like even individual differences within a, a group um, that you might assume has a certain value, but maybe that individual has a different value. Um, and um, almost 11, use a strengths-focused perspective, promote resilience. Um, again, kind of going back to that question of what is practically possible for you, uh, rather than saying, you know, what someone can or shouldn't do, like what is possible? How can we, how can we strengthen you? How can we and you know, enliven you, lift you up, help you feel like you're in the driver's seat here. Um, and um, said promoting strength and resilience also refers to where applicable, fostering a patient's ability to go out into the world as a person in recovery and being able to handle the non-vegan aspects of the world as they encounter them. So, you know, talking about things like, um, you know, being able to have the flexibility and, and, and you know, if you're in recovery and you're really in recovery and, and and veganism is really important to you. Um, how can you make it possible for you to go to a restaurant where things aren't vegan? How can you be okay with that? Is it okay? Are you okay with eating a little bit beforehand? Like, how can you make that at, the, at least of an, less of an issue? The least, sorry. How can you minimize that as a potential issue or an interference? Um, and um, twelve, um, develop strategies to address secondary trauma and promote self care. So, um, you know, this kind of can go into like watching other people, um, you know, eat animals and kind of, you know, um, you know, being aware of that, being mindful of how that might make somebody feel. Um, and lastly, uh, provide hope. So in vegan informed terms, this would mean providing hope for eating disorder recovery in every patient. Patients have the best chance at aligning with that hope if they are supported in all of the above ways. So it just took a very long time to kind of unpack that, but the, those are kind of the, the main principles of the vegan informed approach. I think it's very important that, um, you know, places kind of have this sort of thing as a reference. Um, this can be used in, in 
providing um, and having like in-house trainings, you know, um, in, in treatment centers and, and all, all kinds of things. But I think this is a good kind of map um, to, to refer to kind of just lays the foundation and we're going to go from there. So that's amazing. You've really just thought through so many aspects and angles and ramifications of these principles. So I, I applaud you for your, your thoroughness and just, you know, for your courage and, you know, delving into the nitty gritty and the complexities and nuance, you know, you've really just incorporated a lot of, a lot of the angles. The one, the one area that I am curious about, but I'm, I'm not going to touch on this today just because it's a whole other conversation is, you know, I tend to believe and a lot of the research shows that a whole food plant-based diet is the optimal diet for human health. So, so it also happens to be the physically healthiest diet. And so whether, whether that information, you know, should be conveyed to people in, in recovery from eating disorders. But again, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a, yeah, there, I have so many <laughs> things that there's so much to discuss about that. Um, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, another, another conversation for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, all right. I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, first of all, in your clinical experience, how does veganism affect a person's recovery from an eating disorder? You know, do you find it just in, in real life, it tends to help it or hinder it, or just like you've alluded to is it's completely separate. I mean, I think for some people will say that, um, not, none of my like clients, just things that I've heard, but, um, um, you know, they'll say that veganism helps their recovery. Um, and I think that's a very real and valid thing that can definitely happen. Um, you know, in terms of seeing kind of, um, it almost gives, gives you a, excuse me, gives you kind of, um, a, a sense of, sorry, I'm just, you know, what's grab, let's grab that part, let's grab that part, let's grab that part. Um, I, I think it, 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 insofar as how it helps recovery, that's, people have their own experiences with that and those are very valid. Um, I think I tend to focus more on kind of looking at what helps the, the person, whether it's, you know, veganism or, or whatever else. But yeah, I think that the main goal of all of this is to say like, let's focus on the person's recovery. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, if, if veganism can, actually help people great that's wonderful that's wonderful um i don't really get into that territory so much at all really in the book um you know that that because that could be tricky um that that's a whole other conversation yeah, yeah for sure but um sure. but yeah but but for sure it's valid i mean for sure when people say that absolutely i could see why they would say that um whether veganism is good or not for somebody for the how it affects. Yeah. I, I, I'm sort of looking at the eating disorder and what helps the person and kind of taking it on. An individual yeah. 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 Just, just as an example, yeah. I have a, a family friend who, you know, had, has had some struggles with anorexia. And then, you know, I, I heard through the family grapevine that she wanted to go vegan, but was told that, no, she, she can't do that because it would put her recovery at risk. So it's kind of this attitude of, 
yes, we, you know, we, we get where you're coming from, but you, you just don't have that luxury. You can't do it. I see. I see. Okay. I see that, that specific example. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, that really would be something that I don't think we should jump to conclusions and assume that, you know, um, like, like, so like I, I basically the angle that I'm coming from in a lot of this is, um, somebody who is not actively in their eating disorder who's already vegan but I get that there are other versions of this in other ways it could go in other orders that it, it can go in and and just like with with what I'm talking about it's 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 not great to jump to conclusions you know whether that's for or against you know and and hmm. and so somebody in the in the midst of an eating disorder who is now saying I want to go vegan there, there are certainly, there are questions to be asked, you know, why, why now? Like, you know, and, 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 and in kind of the similar types of assessments, you know, um, for things I spoke about earlier, you know, um, do you want to stop wearing leather? Like, like what's, what's, how is this going on in other areas of your life? You know, and, and, you know, I, I think it is important to get an idea of why of like the motivation and, um, you know, to kind of make some decisions from there, but yeah, but to say just like a blanket statement of they're not allowing me, it's not allowed. I think that could just take away from somebody's personhood really. I mean, just takes away from like, imagine you're, you're, you're sick, right? Cause, and this isn't something I get into the sort of me thinking on the fly, but like, if you're, if you really are sick and you have, you have an eating disorder and you're feeling like just hopeless. Like all there is in your life is your eating disorder and you, there's no way out. And your world is, has become so small. And, and suddenly you learn about the way animals are treated. And suddenly you, you start really caring about that. Now you care about something. Now you are connected to something. It's like with any cause, really anything, mm. you know, it could be anything, mm. but, but it's right. like, you know, it's like, Oh, wow. What if, what if that can wake a person up in a sense, not just to the plight of animals, which of course is, yes, very important, but I mean, like wake a person up in their soul, like wake you up. Like you don't right. have to sleep anymore in your eating disorder. Like there's something that meant so much to you that actually activated something in you, you know, to then suppress that and say, well, you can't do things in line with that value even though now you're aware of it, even though now you you're aware of what you're eating and that might actually really, you know, cause unnecessary suffering for you. You know, now, now that might actually cause unnecessary harm. You don't have to experience this harm in, or, you know, like that, that's not a prerequisite to recovery is experiencing discomfort on that level, which is also what I talk about in the book in different ways, but you know, that's not a, 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 a necessity, um, you know? And so if that, if that were really gonna help somebody, um, yeah, I, I think explore it, give yeah. them a chance anyway, to, to right, 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 their right. Claim, make their case. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, well, very interesting, Jen. Thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts and your wisdom and your research on this complex and really important subject, just given how rampant eating disorders are these days, especially among women. So our final question, which I ask all of my guests is, is there a particular word that for you sums up what being vegan is all about?
Well, the first word that comes to mind is alive. Love it. Yeah. It came, came up, but yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's great. I don't think I've heard that one before. So that's, that's perfect. I get it. <laughs> that makes Thank total you. Sense. Okay. I'm glad that translates. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, again, Jen, thank you so much. Um, I'll include your website and the link to your book in the show notes so that people can check it out and contact you for more information. Um, and we close every episode by taking 30 seconds of silence for all of the suffering animals, human and non-human who desire, as we all do, safety, happiness, and the freedom to live out their lives without interference. So Jen, I invite you to join me in 30 seconds of silence for the animals, and we'll conclude with the sound of the bell. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. And thank you, Posse. See you next time. Until then, stay strong and stay true.